Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Start Well podcast. Uh, once again, I am Kasim in studio here on King Street West in downtown Toronto, this time joined uh, by my guest, Michael Masanke, yeah, who is the founder, owner of a really interesting company we're going to dig into, which is called Top Drone. Yes. Welcome yeah, yeah, thank to you. the studio. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a yeah. pleasure, man. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of drones, just conceptually the idea of having these unmanned vehicles that we can kind of remotely control. Uh, let's just jump straight into it. Sure. So I'd love to hear how you became a drone pilot to start. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, I used to be into video games a lot when I was a kid. I dropped it after, you know, you kind of grow up a little bit and I couldn't have time to do it. Okay. Especially in my line of work, it was just, there's just, just no time. So when you dropped video games, what was the uh, console that was your last console? Ooh, PlayStation 3. Whoa. Yeah. I was going to say Super Nintendo. That was mine. Yeah. Was, I'm old school, man. No, I was still going. I was still going for some time. But um, it was mainly sports games. Okay. So it was uh, NBA 2K um, for sure. And uh, NHL. Um uh, so it was only sports games for the most part. Yeah. Um, but when uh, I've been in the industry, I've been in film and television industry now for, I guess, from 2006. Okay. So it's been some time. And uh, I would travel a lot. I, I, before the pandemic, I was traveling quite a bit. And uh, during that time, I also had a family. And I wanted to travel with them. So the first time I brought them out... You know, you don't want to be, I'm already Asian as is. I don't want to propagate a myth and have another DSLR and like be, you know, taking photos. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, I want to get a little different angle. Okay. So I was looking at the price point and it looked like getting into the marketplace was about the same price as getting, you know, a consumer drone. So like a small little DJI Mavic Air. Right. Like loud. Wait, so this is only a couple of years ago. This wait, is wait. just three this would be three to four years ago now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been relatively yeah. But short that was just about the time where the the kind of like prosumer models were dropping below a thousand bucks, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So it was becoming a lot more accessible for people to you know uh, to to really take a hold of it and like just have fun with it. Yeah. Um. And during that time, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go and take this with me on my travels, and with my family. So. I took it to Cannes Film Festival. Oh, nice. It was the first time, right? And I was scared because, you know, you fly it over the festival. Well, you were flying it on the Quasette, like, over the yeah, tent? Yeah, so I have, I have friends who are, like, who had, like, the, the suites, you know, the penthouse suites at, like, the Miramar and um, at the Grand Hotel. Mm-hmm. So they knew that I had a drone. And uh, they were like, why don't you come fly it off our balcony? So, you know. When I say no to that, you know, like if I can come and hang out in your penthouse suite. So, uh, yeah, so I'd launch it there and I got some amazing shots. And it's just like, but the thing there is that the French, you know, the French military there, they were like, they're scouring the streets um, to keep it safe, obviously. So we had to kind of like be really high up in the air so you couldn't be heard because that drone is really loud. It's it's a high pitch um uh, hum or noise that that it makes so you got to keep it nice and la- uh, high to, to keep it out of your shot um after that then i met my family and went to uh, venice okay so i met them there and i flew over the grand canal i woke up nice wow. and early and i got like footage of flying over the grand canal at 5 a.m you know was, everything's just quiet and there's some boats floating through and that was gorgeous i was starting to fall in love with it a lot and then I went to Rome, and I was like, you know, iffy about that. So I still yeah, because like, it's dense, it's busy. It's dense, it's busy. Yeah. yeah, so at the hotel we were staying at. Oh, no, this is Milan. So I flew it there, no problem, got whatever. And then Rome was like, okay, you know what? I am I should start looking into this a little bit more, right? I was, I was starting to enjoy it more. Yeah. And it was like hearkening back to my video game days. So, you know, the, the dexterity of your thumbs and doing all the movements and controlling it was like, oh, this is an amazing vantage point. And of course, this is family travel, so it didn't take you mm. away from like, you know, like sometimes when, I don't know, I'm like this, like, if I'm trying to make a film yeah. about my trip and be a little bit like artiste about it, yeah. then it can, 
I can get pretty good about capturing clips. Yeah. In this like verite way, like I'm not really there, and it's I'm just hanging out. And I'm taking little clips and no one even knows when they see the film. Like family at the end of the day when I'm like, hey, I made a movie of today. Um, they're surprised that I haven't got that footage. Yeah. But with a drone, you have to be, of course. Yeah, there's a lot of things to take in consideration. I mean, your surroundings for yeah. sure when you're launching, right? So that's definitely one of those major things. Um, so it wasn't too intrusive. I was trying to make it so that I wasn't taking away from our trip. Uh, by all means. But it got to a point where it's like, I, I got to start taking this a little more seriously um, enjoying this this much yeah so when i came back uh here um i looked into it and uh this is 2018 yeah this is 2018 and i was looking into it and i was like oh okay it's not bad to get your license okay about a thousand bucks okay where do you get your license or at that time where where'd you get it from so there's um one of our like partner um schools and uh, training centers is uh, our pass center they mm-hmm. used to be alto helix so they, they do um industrial applications and drones but they train the the fire departments and police force uh they consult with the um, you know transport canada for their regulations for drones okay. as well at that time back then the regulations were a lot more loose loose in terms of it wasn't it wasn't really there to regulate uh, consumers or enthusiasts it was there to regulate operators people who are in business for drones right okay. now that it was becoming a more consumer um, accessible, then they had to change up the regulations. Mm-hmm. So they had to really dive in and change it. And I knew that that was coming. So they were changing the regulations, which was going to be June 1st, 2019. And I was getting licensed and certified 2018. So I was looking at it and because I'm in the film and television industry, you know, people will ask me, okay, can you get some shots here and there for us? Sure. And I was like, it really makes a difference. You know, like independent films are on such a budget. Yeah. You know, gone are the days that you would get a helicopter. Well, right. you you can still get a helicopter. It's going to cost you a fortune. Yeah. And fuel and insurance and the helicopter and the gear going on and, you know, everything that goes Just along with planning it. Planning it must be. Yeah. yeah. And the clearances that you got to get, right? And you can't even get the shot that you want. Mm-hmm. So um, what I discovered with the drone was that you can go from micro to m- macro so quickly to establish a character not even just to establish an environment mm-hmm. right to establish a city or establish an environment you can establish a character in the environment with the drone where a helicopter you can't come into the street level and then fly out to 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 reveal where that environment is sure so with the drone you could yeah it's agile even even agile. compared to like jibbing in yeah. some cases it's yeah, easier to use a drone that's the that's the thing is that productions are like getting to the point where they're like okay you know what we don't have to get the jib oh we don't get the we don't need the Russian arm we can do it with the, the drone the Russian and, arm and it's just like uh, wait, wait, you, you can't wait, just break it down that. break it down What what is the Russian arm so it's on basically it's on a truck right and it's swinging so there's an operator on the back of a truck and yeah. it's an arm that swing across while you're driving so usually, so there was like one one film that we were getting. They were asking us to mimic that motion. There was a fire truck going down the street, and then we would have to go from the front of the truck, and then go to the side of the truck and focus on the the fireman driving the truck. Yeah, and then fall back, and then just follow behind the truck. It's a complicated move. It is, yeah. And to do it with a drone is even more complicated because you got to match speeds. You know, you've got to make sure that there's no oncoming traffic. You got to clear off the street. They didn't even clear off the street, <laughs> so it was like super complicated. Can you, by the way, well, I'll let you continue because I have a million questions about the technicality of producing this sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah. So it was, it's just there, a lot of productions are now trying to replace a lot of the the equipment the that that would normally you know skyrocket your budget mm-hmm. from a production standpoint um, and replace it with drone. Um, at the same time, a lot of people are, they're, they're not familiar with how to operate the drone and how to do it legally, how to do it safely, what in, in, it entails to be able to operate a business that, that deals with just drones and the operation of drones for film. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, so we found ourselves like there's the market because it's accessible to consumers. It's very, there's a lot of competition. 
Right. That there's became a, there's a lot of like two dudes with a drone. Yeah. And they're like, we don't care about the law. We'll we'll get that shot yeah. for you for seventy five bucks. Yeah. And the client like the client doesn't want to be sideswiped or blindsided by a lawsuit. You know, it's like that's that's the last thing they want. If if it's a production that doesn't mind that, then that's not necessarily the client that we want either. Yeah, like no one wants to be with Alec Baldwin in a desert. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that is um, yeah that's that's a that's a bad one. I mean that one was uh, there's a combination of factors on that one that we can like go down a rabbit hole on <laughs> for sure. Um, but I mean even even productions like that, we'd love to be on productions like that. Yeah. No, by by no means uh, are we saying that that's that's bad. But yeah, in that case, there were some some things that were cutting corners. Let's just say. But yeah, so suffice it to say, you saw a market opportunity for like a legitimate company that's mm-hmm. a drone operator to be there. But slicing through the noise was going to be a little difficult to, well, to get to the clients to say this is a value yeah, proposition. Yeah, because they they were looking to make an example because they were putting the right new regulations into place on June first, two thousand nineteen. They were looking to make examples of people who were you know, operating illegally. So then they could make them an example and say, hey, you're going to get fined this much money and now it's going to just, you know, kind of quell the masses in terms of flying or operating illegally. Mm -hmm. So when the thing, the you know, I've always been more of a marketing guy. Um, You know, I understand good creative, um, but I also understand that there has to be a return on investment when it comes to your marketing, right? Sure. So we were just like, we need something to really catapult us into an area where people are like, okay, these guys are credible. You know, they know how to operate safely. They're credible and their footage looks great, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And our footage we knew was going to look great because of our experience in film and television for quite some time in terms of creating cinematic shots, you know, making sure that there's a narrative and you're able to follow that and the shot is composed in that manner, right? right. To serve the narrative. So that's our background. So then having giving us the tool of drone is just like, okay, this is amazing. So um, we knew that there was operators in the industry that had been doing it for like, you know, years, 10 years, 15 years, the, the, the OGs of like drone operations, right? But now that the regulations were coming into play, it was like, we're all at zero. We're all going to start from the same level. They had to get the same level of certification and licensing that we had to get as brand new operators. Sure. So that gave that gave us an idea because I was like, you know what, this is an opportunity for us to be able to capture the market share mm. because we can market better than probably they can. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're just about the operation. We're like, we're about the operation, but yeah. also the marketing. They're like technical companies. Yeah, they're more technical yeah. companies. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking from a publicity standpoint, okay, how can we really catapult? So, I mean, the name of the company is Top Drone. Like, right. And your logo is Logos. like uh, it's, Tom Cruise styles. Yeah, I know. I'm waiting for the cease and desist, you know? Like, <laughs> I put it on the frame and put it up there, you know? You can buy us. No problem. Sure, that, that can happen. Yeah. Um, so, it was always about the marketing. So, right at that time, the Toronto Raptors won the championship. Ah. Right? And the parade was right after the regulation switched over on June 1st. It was June 5th or, I think, 5th or 9th or something like that. Mm. So we knew that if we were able to get up into the air legally, that we can get the greatest shots. Yeah. So did everyone else who wasn't professional. Right. Because they thought, oh, I'm going to get this amazing vista. I'm just going to shoot the crowd and the parade and the fireworks and everything like that. But they weren't, they didn't know how to get clearances. Mm-hmm. Whereas anyone who had been operating for years was like, I'm not even going to touch that because I don't know really what the new regulations are about and just getting familiar. So it's like this is an opportunity for us to just like penetrate through that whole thing because we can distinguish ourselves from those who used to be and those who are trying to be. Right. And then gain instant credibility. And we were the only legal entity flying. So drones. What, okay. That day. And w- w- that just means that your your like footage is safe, right? If yeah. For relicensing. Well, our footage is safe. Also, Transport Canada was looking for. Were they shooting down the commercial? They weren't shooting them down, but they were looking. They're hunting them down. So people who were there was some guy who, some fool who who operated from and Sheridan like hotel had like you know had let him sh- like fly off their balcony. Okay. And he crashed his drone. Ooh. Yeah. And we saw a whole bunch of drones flying in and around the area, and it was just like we knew that they weren't ready. 
Like they didn't understand what was happening because they would fly just for the sake of flying. Mm-hmm. Where we knew the moment was to wait for you know the players on the buses to be in the spot that they need to be shot, mm-hmm. so that we knew we can get the best shot. They were just like whatever. The, oh, every, once the crowd started roaring, they would throw up the drone and like get out there and like start buzzing around and getting shots. It was just like they're completely like premature. Yeah. You know, so we we're just like sitting back and and legally operating. We we're clearly marked and everything, um, and we got the shots. And then after that, you know, uh, Toronto Police, um, Transport Canada, Navigation Canada, they all started asking us questions about who else was operating on that day. Oh, because of the, that crash, and there were some other people, and they were all you know filed. Mm. And they were looking to find these people and then find them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, monetary fines. Um, and we were just like, that's not part of our operation. Yeah. This is what this is our drone. These are our drones. They were registered here. And this is what our flight path was. This was our ceiling that they had specified. We negotiated with them to know what our limitations were because there were helicopters at like 500 feet. You know, we legally can fly 400 feet but because of the three helicopters that were in the air we knew that that was happening mm-hmm. um so and then the snowbirds were going to be flying over we knew that was happening so we knew when to be in the air and when not to be in the air and how what our ceiling where our operating areas were right whereas all these other drones were just flying errantly all yeah. over the place yeah so we told them all that and they were just like okay cool thank you very much and we're we we were able to say we're the only legal drone operator that day to capture all that footage so every time someone would like chop us down on social media for our our um, footage it's kind of like nope this is all legal here's our like here's our clearance here's our you know it's it's very easy mm-hmm. so there's a difference in operating drones and flying drones when you know you're cleared versus you're looking over your shoulder well especially when you're thinking about commercial content because that content just from that single shoot you know, is monetizable for stock mm-hmm. uh, or for relicensing through news media outlets and all of that stuff. So if that's part of your business and you're prepared for that and you've got the clearances, you're ready to go versus... Now, again, in this day and age, there's a lot of like crap footage that makes its way onto news reports yep. and so on and people will quote Twitter for a story. So journalistic integrity is out of the, the window yep. and people... Um, it's not as lucrative as you'd think it would be. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's very interesting to take that approach and then find yourselves as kind of leaders in this commercial space. Yeah. Because at that point, then potential clients were just like, oh, I want to deal with those guys. Right. Because I thought that it would be impossible to get that shot. And so what kind of clients are we talking about? Are we talking about commercial entities, businesses? Or Government, we- corporate. You know, we could, because we did everything clean- you know, government agencies, uh, corporate clients, large corporate clients, where we could walk in there and just say, hey, this is our proposal. And because we're the only ones that can do it properly, you know, and we're operating downtown Toronto. Not a lot of people want to operate downtown Toronto because mm-hmm. they're afraid that they'll smack into a building, you know. We're, that's, our, that's where we, we live and breathe uh, when it comes to drone operations. Because you're professional pilots, exactly, and we understand what the problem is. I mean, we've we've seen our fair share of errant flights as well, but because we got all our ducks in a row in terms of paperwork and clearances, you know, we're not afraid of that because it happens. It does mm-hmm. happen. Like where a drone will lose its uh, GPS coordinates and it will start circling, trying to find those triangulate mm-hmm. the three points. So then it'll start circling like that. So it's once it gets that. Acquires that reacquires that signal, jerks into that that direction, and you you can do whatever you want. It's not going to respond. Mm-hmm. So th- there's things things that happen. What we've able to experience too, where it's just like okay, we understand what we have to to put into redundancy systems in our processes mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to pre-flight checklists and in-flight checklists or. Just once you launch, okay, just make sure you have full control of the drone and everything. So there's all these things that we've put into our workflow that ensures that we can then get the shot. You know, it's all about bef- the preparation before. Right. 
and then before you actually do the operation. Really. Yeah, on logistics, on the operational logistics, and then also on the cinematics. Yeah. So you keep saying we. Who, mm-hmm. So who uh, comprises the team? So um, I have one other partner, uh, Ryan Coxworthy. Um, and uh, then we have a bunch of people who are pilots and operators that we work with who are just super skilled and also in the production film and television production realm. Okay. Um, so that, uh, you know, it's it can't be all done by one person. Like your time is your commodity. Oh, for sure. Right? So you have to be able to, if you if the business is going to be scalable, it's that's why I was like, okay, the brand speaks, right? If the brand speaks, then you can scale it. It's mm-hmm. not about you. It's not about me as as Michelangelo. It's about the team and what we can deliver as a team. And so, you guys are focused on Toronto? Or? We're focused everywhere. So we've done, so we've collaborated with everyone in North America, mm-hmm. into Egypt. We've done, we've done projects, you know, uh, everywhere to be able to service our clients. Um, it's just a matter of, that's why we stick so much to the processes and the paperwork. It's like, um, it's like a freight forwarder or a, a logistics company. They hire the trucks and their, the truck drivers and their trucks. Sure. Right, and they deliver the goods, and then you fulfill their contractor. So it's the same idea. It's just scaling it. Right. So you can source talent. I can source talent as you globally. need to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. So yeah. now three, four years in. Yeah. So, yeah, we're yeah we've done some really cool jobs up to this point. Um, and before it was just like the business was like, okay, let's do everything drone. Mm-hmm. And it was like anything and everything that a drone can do, let's get into that. And I was just like, oh my, we're spreading ourselves thin on trying to get leads. Right. Right. And because um, it's so applicable that, like, so then applicable. how do you, who are you talking to as yeah, potential exactly. clients? It could be anyone. Right. It could be everyone. Like, right. it's like when the computer was invented and you had the computer. It's just like, ah, anything and everything, anyone need help from a computer? Okay. Well, that's our business. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. That's, that's so, that's to take on so much. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we figured, you know what, let's just, Go back to our background, what we're good at. And that's that's really capturing nar- narrative from an aerial standpoint. Um, because we, we have the background of being... So my, my partner, Ryan, he's, um, he's a camera operator. He's done camera ops for, for all of the, you know, HGTV shows, Food Network shows, you know, yeah, Netflix shows. Um, so that's his background in terms of production. So he knows how, what it takes to be on set, you know, I understand what it means to be on set, how to bolt on and be, sure. you know, there's a tact that, that, that part of like, t- like the, the Toronto film school side of what I do is like trying to impart that tact on production. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we have that experience, whereas a lot of operators don't understand that tact. They, they don't know how to fit in, you know, the production doesn't fit you you fit into the production. Well, yeah, and it's worth it's worth exploring that a little bit just now. Um, the idea, okay. So, firstly, let's just call it out that your position with the Toronto Film School uh, is the head of production, or yeah, director of production, director of production. Yeah, and so your familiarity with how kind of like commercial uh, content, or not commercial content, but any type of like professional content gets produced, film content gets produced, is deep. Um, and talking about drones being relatively new technology in terms of uh, people using them to carve out a living, right? It's just the last five, five, six, seven years. That long? No. Yeah, I mean, probably not. Probably four or five years. There's some. I mean, there's there's some people that we look up to as inspiration who who have made a living on this, and it's just like Toronto's becoming Canada, Ontario, Toronto is becoming a hotbed of production. Mm-hmm. You know, English speaking world. Toronto is the hotbed. It's going to be a film production in general. Film production, content creation. This is a place to be. It's just there's just too many incentives and soft money, and leveraging the you know the dollar, mm-hmm. uh, Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar. There's just so much skilled labor here, and living standard here in Toronto is is conducive to an American city like New York or L.A. Right. Um, it, so I don't know, man. We don't have the rats that New York has, you know. We don't have the grit, man. <laughs> Are you talking about the rats in the industry or the ones on the streets? Because <laughs> they can be one and the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really interesting time because uh, 
it's a it's it's really becoming a hotbed for production and you're starting to see the studios pop up everywhere i mean startwell here is 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 in a great location um and really excited for what's going to be coming through here especially because there's just so much opportunity now sure and foreign productions that are coming to Toronto, to Ontario, to Canada. Mm-hmm. Like Vancouver's great. It's awesome there. I love Vancouver. But they're limited by mountains, water, border. Physically, they can't grow out. Yeah. So it's very specific what you want to get there. Oh, for sure. Here, I mean, we're, it's like Montreal, Ottawa, you know, okay. French is, is, is a big thing for, for people who are Anglophone to go over there. It's, it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. So tendency is to come to Toronto. No, it's so true. There's so many factors that are going to grow the industry here. I was uh, talking to someone from William White's last week, maybe, or the week before, and we were talking about studio and the operations of, and it's a, it's a, that's a whole nother podcast talking about like the shitty economics on operating a studio. Sure. Um, I think that'll change in the next little while as the industry strengthens and COVID is over. Yeah. But um, but particularly, they were telling me about their growth in the last few years and what they're kind of doubling down on. And that whole idea of they built out a back lot. You know, they have a back lot that they built out um, just because they know that there's enough demand for different setups that people have. Um, and they're kind of like, well, we'll build it. You don't need to construct that set inside of a warehouse all the time and incur that cost. It's easier and cheaper and more efficient to have a back lot. Yeah. So like there's there's infrastructure that's being developed to support this growth um, across the industry. And um, and it paints a good picture, I guess, as context for understanding how the type of cinematography that you guys do will fit into the demands of commercial productions, all sorts of them. Yeah. Um, so from your vantage, what do you see, uh, you know, with a few years under your belt now in this business, what do you see as the um, kind of, demand channels that you're focusing on uh, as a company satisfying for for this kind of footage yeah i mean it's we were very much going after any and all business that we can get and you know i i always tried to to operate a business where you know it's better to collect a thousand dollars from 10 people yeah than it is to collect one dollar from a thousand people Oh my God! Amen. Amen. Yeah. Preach on, brother. <laughs> because the say the level of service that's being demanded of you, yeah, is the same. So you you can quickly spread yourself thin, real quick, on that, on on the ladder. So, for us, we started saying, okay, you know what? We're no longer gonna fight for the bottom. We're going to we're gonna make sure that the clients that we take on are are uh, reputable. Mm-hmm. And that speak volumes towards our level of production. Yeah. So then we we you know we partnered up with Canada's Wonderland, um, you know chasing roller coasters. Uh, we partnered up with Hotel X to fly through the hotel. You know? I saw some of that footage. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we we casted everyone. We put everyone in place. The hotel wasn't shut down. It was during the pandemic, but it mm-hmm. wasn't shut down, and we still. Like operated with I think thirty five people to look like eighty people in the space to animate okay. it. Yeah. Right. Um. And and that was with drone only, right? Uh, we did um, we did some stuff with um. Uh, the TV shows. So because of the work that's being done by Ryan, my partner, mm-hmm. you know, we can offer drone services as well attached to his services. Right. So we get in through the door that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did like Blown Away um, it's that glass blowing competition show on Netflix cool um, we do a lot of uh, Mike Holmes um, Holmes okay. on Home stuff right uh, his Christmas special um, yeah so there's there's just lots of stuff that we've been fire starters um, or fire masters on, on Food Network okay Bachelor in Paradise did that <laughs> I man i'm not even up to speed yeah. on all those crazy shows where yeah people I know. like find love on television well that's the thing it's like content became like okay it's all about reality based yeah you know it's, it's like scripted stuff is tough yeah super tough um to crack through uh, and it's uh reality is like sports reality that stuff content wise this is where it's at right yeah fast production cycles lots of content being produced yeah live um, if it can be live that's like premium. 
Right. Right. Like all your Canadian, uh, your uh, The Voice, X Factor, mm-hmm. you know, all those like live to air shows, you know, they do such huge numbers because it's, you have to tune in to watch it live, you know? Yeah. And that's again, that's this larger discussion of kind of like, uh, you know, on demand or VOD uh versus television how there's always a role for television even if the distribution medium is online yeah. and moving away from cable and terrestrial networks mm-hmm. it's super interesting to say like broadcast uh is evolving yeah. you know and there's even technology like we use technology like here you know I've got this switcher that's like a broadcast box yeah. that we could live stream this conversation um you know and even in post, I'm not really going to edit much. I'm just going to switch between cameras. How many people did you, would you have had to have had Back before? in the day? Oh to my do God. This, right? Even, I'll tell you this, even when I, like this studio was built like four years ago, yeah. uh, when we put the building together in 2017 for going on five years, um, I was using like Teradec. <laughs> you know those Teradec boxes? Yeah, yeah. They're still around. Yeah. <laughs> as this, as like my means of non-computer based streaming which is a piece of junk compared to this black magic gear. Yeah. So the evolution in just a few years of broadcast technology that's IP based, mm-hmm. like digital uh, broadcast tools for network streaming online on the internet is just like mind boggling. I remember using that Teradek box that had a little LED screen on it and you don't know if you're live on Facebook. <laughs> it says you're live on Facebook and then it stutters and it doesn't buffer properly and single camera only and Oh, so many problems. Yeah, I know. It's wonderful. It's it's been democratized, right? Like yeah. production of content, production of films, uh, TV has been democratized. So, but at the same time, that's because there's so much, there's so many mediums in which to be able to consume content now. Right. right? Your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your TV, out in the theater. There's many, many ways to consume content, mm-hmm. and the appetite has not lessened. In fact, it's it's accelerated during the, the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Right? So, yeah. therefore, there needs to be more content creators to be able to fill this appetite. Now, whether or not the content's great or not, doesn't matter. It's fulfilling this appetite. Mm-hmm. Right? But TikTok. the content's starting to get better. Yeah, I know. It's like the attention span has gone from, you know, two and a half hours, three hour movies. You know, I remember when, like, movies were, like, three hours. And you get excited about that because yeah. you're like, oh, I can oh, you lose get so much more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now it's just like, no, I can't stick that through anymore. I could watch three movies in that time. Yeah. I wonder or, if people say that. <laughs> I don't... Well, I mean, it, on the business side, it is funny because that's, like, kind of in Toronto for TIFF. That's why TIFF is so popular because a lot of buyers, uh, distributors from all over, mm-hmm. they come to Toronto because they can watch the most movies in one day mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. because it's all within, like, a three-block radius. Right. You know? Whereas in Cannes, it's like you got to walk everywhere. It's hot, and it's like you're fighting the crowds to get to that screening and lineup. Uh, Berlin is kind of they're all kind of spread out. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same. Yeah. Toronto is like okay, I I get to power through all of these screenings, in in one go, and like make it like a three day trip, mm-hmm. three to four day trip. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That's why Toronto is so popular from that standpoint. From the industry standpoint, yeah. as a marketplace for film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're they're programming for you know, twelve to eighteen months into the future, so they gotta they gotta power through. And season kind of starts at TIFF, for the most part. Like Venice TIFF. That's when everyone kind of wakes up from their summer slumber mm-hmm. or their vacation, and then they go, okay, you know what? Let's start working. <laughs> go through to till Cannes again in yeah. like May. You know, so that's like the cycle. Um, but with that, that's why that's why filmmaking has been democratized because there is such a, a huge appetite for it that we got to be able to allow for more people to make content. Right. So there's an opportunity there for companies like DJI and Blackmagic, you know, to be able to create their um, prosumer uh, products uh, to be able to service that need. And now you're starting to see better and better. And now it's like narrative is starting to become so important. I wanted yeah. to ask you about that because there's, there's a technological evolution that's happened uh, that I think captured my imagination projecting into the future when I was a kid. I knew this was going to come and I thought it was the most talking about kind of like technology solving people's existential angst potentially. It was one of the most, um, I don't know, titillating concepts. And now it's it's here. And yeah. that's FPV. The <laughs> idea, I think, 
that you can strap on a VR headset and remotely control a drone by flying. Sure. Surely solves one of the great, you know, issues in in the human dilemma, which is uh, how to elevate one's consciousness beyond the earth. And this (laughs) terrestrial problem is solved. I mean, how does it feel to fly a drone with your, I mean, you're using your hands on the remote control, but, uh, yeah. but, but with your person. Well, it's a, fully, fully immersive. I mean, you know, when you're, the dreams of flying, like when you're like having dreams and you're flying through those dreams. Right. Right. Like that's, that's the feeling, right? Like I'm not very good at it. I must say there, I have people crashed who do a that. few times. Uh, you know, I'm learning. Flown in a building. I'm learning. You, you can get, never be Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, no, <laughs> that just reminds me of that, uh, that meme or that that uh, that that one filter, that Spider-Man filter, where everyone's getting like, you're the person being carried, you're Mary Jane being carried by Spider-Man through the city. Oh, I've never, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's hilarious. I'm old school. Up. Yeah, you gotta look that. Well, I mean, I'm too, but you can't <laughs> avoid it sometimes. I don't know how the hell I, I've I've created this amazing filter. I don't really kind of like know what the hell's going on on the internet anymore. <laughs> in, the, in the commercial internet, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm on Instagram, but I'm not on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like feel like puking if I scroll more than five screens at a time these days. So <laughs> well, it's I'm like 42. No, I'm not. I'm 40. Oh, How old I'm older I? than you. Wait, 19. What years? Yeah, 42. I'm this 79. Year. See, I'm 1979. And I'm acting like I'm 80. Now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's just, uh, you know, you gotta, you know, like music videos back in the day were defining the trends. Yeah. You know, they would define the trends for what you'd see later. That's what this is now. It's right. like Instagram, TikTok. They define trends, right? So you kind of have to keep your. Uh, I got to keep my 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 finger on the pulse for that. Yeah, you know. So yeah. it's from a professional standpoint. I I try to stay attuned to the kids and <laughs> you know not and know what's cap and what's not cap. You know, you know what that means. No man. Oh man, you gotta look that up. Cap is <laughs> yeah. cap. The That's new so like cap. Gucci. Is that the new Gucci, or is that uh, different? I don't. Gu- I don't even that one. I don't know. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Gucci, I learned that a couple of years ago. Wow. It's all Gucci, which means like it's all it's all good. Gucci oh, is apparently so. like good, but you know, also really? luxurious and cool. Yeah, sure. You know, it's tough to keep up. See? Yeah, no, it, it is. I know a couple things. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like I'm. That good. might be like new old school. I don't know. Yeah, that's like for me. I'm like okay, cool, Gucci, right? Uh, yeah, I I don't have anything Gucci. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the yeah. literal understanding of the word. Um, okay, but let's talk about this, though, so this FPV thing. Yeah. And is it um, a revolution in the, how, is it is it just an experiential innovation uh, for filmmakers, or is it enabling for cinematography as well? I think there's definitely, it's definitely another tool for cinematography. Uh, and the reason why I say that is, it's like being a bird, right? You want to capture those those shots. Like every animation film, I don't care. You take a look at any animation film out there, like from Pixar, DreamWorks, or Sony, or Illumination, mm-hmm. Minions, you mm-hmm. know, all those. If you look at, watch that movie, there are shots there that are all FPV. Like oh, mimicking, 100%, 100%. mimicking FPV. Because yeah. it's the easiest way to... To establish the the narrative, right, right, like you, you can literally follow a character and tell a story of a character within one shot. Yeah, and FPV allows for that because of the speed in which it it, it operates. Whereas, um, you know, traditional drones, they're more establishing the environment, mm-hmm. right, um, and it can't go that fast. You kind of got to speed ramp from the character to that. I think that that's environment. a big point. It's a big point. The idea that like FPV naturally is presenting something in a format that is tough to mimic or replicate yeah. otherwise. And I wonder about this because I've I've got limited experience flying a drone. Uh, I literally just bought one, I don't know, a month ago uh, to capture a fly-through of our studio. Yeah. And a number of wings later, <laughs> uh, my, my Mavic Air Mini 2... <laughs> It's great because it's so tiny. Well, you got the bumpers on it, right? No. Well, I got the bumpers sitting in a box. I haven't even like oh, taken that, them out of the box to put them on. You, you would know? save your props, I your know. propellers. I, instead, I, I bought a big pack on Amazon of like 100 props. <laughs> and I was just like, it's okay, man. I got to power through this shoot. And I'm just, you know, this is logistical laziness. It's like you're 
doing so much and you've got a vision for something that yeah. doing the simplest thing yeah. to save yourself trouble, it feels like a big mountain. Anyway, <laughs> I've got the box. I'm going to put the props, prop protector yeah. on. You, um, you didn't have to buy those, pro- I know. those props. If I had the, the rubber bumpers, thing. Yeah. yeah, it just reminds me of like, you remember, I don't know if you remember American Gladiator. Yeah. Okay, remember when they used to be in those those spheres and they would be like pushing Running. them like yeah, yeah, yeah. okay that's what those props are like oh totally bumping into everything it just protects everything yeah you know, you're chopping up your curtains your- oh my god and then the drone itself is falling from yeah. sixteen feet in the studio on a concrete yeah, like yeah. it's really banged up I'm like it's okay and then you know the the camera's kind of like oh, those DJI. Uh, gimbals mm-hmm. can break so easily. Yes, they can. I've gone through many pocket cameras. Um, their pocket camera model just anyway. I'll <laughs> I'll scale it back a bit. Okay, so my my experience is limited and stupid sure. with, with drones, but I noticed this immediately in all the um, the footage that I shot yep. and in getting it in the can was that weird disconnect that you need to get over as a drone pilot um, from. You know, be- between the kind of tactile um, nature of driving this thing yep. and the fact that you can move it forward and back, left or right, up and down, and finding that flow between all those controls that, you know, getting towards where it's innate. But then also um, matching in your brain, watching the drone fly to make sure that it's not... And now I'm flying inside, right? So it's particularly dangerous. <laughs> trying to make sure it's not hitting walls and so on. Sure. Um, and with air currents coming out of like HVAC and open doors or windows and all yeah. this stuff, it's really Yeah, and people precious. walking around. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, comparing that, you know, against what you're also seeing on the camera, previewing the footage. Yes. And I think without FPV, it's just like, it's so incredibly difficult. Yeah. You know, and it just feels like all like logistics and you can't, I couldn't quite get the smoothest, longest shots that I wanted. Yeah. Um, but I think with FPV, I'd probably be able to. Yeah, FPV is like, it's pretty much like driving a car, right? When you look at it, it's just that you can't really stop at a dime. You mm-hmm. have to you have to maneuver your way through it because you're continuous in motion, right? So, and the, the thing is being able to maintain the shot in a fluidity and so you don't lose the attention because, you know, if you jerk one way, you lose your, your narrative. So the headset would control the movement of the drone no or it's still the joystick it's still the joystick so what you're so seeing turn my head, it's yeah not gonna... it's not gonna it's not i mean there there is like people are trying to do that okay but i think it it doesn't make much sense because you're just you're basically looking at where you're flying mm-hmm. right so that you know you're this big and if there's this space you can fit through it mm-hmm. if it's too small you, you gotta know that and it's also that thing that. of like cinematically you're doing two things at once as a camera operator. Yeah. You are looking through the lens and then you're looking around because that idea of kind of, even as a bird, I assume, as a human, you're walking down the street, your brain is registering kind of the narrative of your journey, but you're also doing quick checks to make sure no one's going to hit you yeah. or the people behind you aren't too close or whatever it is. But your brain doesn't factor that into the story of you walking down the street. No, it's the, that's just like the peripheral. Yeah. Right? It's not like the camera goes there. Right. And goes there. Right. It's just here, and then you're aware that there's something happening on your left and your right. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's just being aware of that. So that's the that's the beauty of the, the traditional drone side. I call it traditional. It's like making it old school. Um, but where you have an operator for the drone that positions the drone in a way for the camera operator to then just control the camera on that drone mm-hmm. independently. Right. So then it can get the shot that it, that you need by just getting it in position and then you're getting that, that unique shot, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's where it depends on the need and depends on the narrative on what you're trying to say cinematically um, and most people don't uh, don't understand that. And it takes years to get that or you either have that eye or you don't have that eye or you have to also really like hone that mm-hmm. and then then ex- execute it, right? It's, it's one thing to know how to do that. It's another thing to execute it because now you're not controlling it physically. You're controlling it remotely, right? So how is the next generation or speaking like that sounds silly, but how are um, drone pilots, people that are kind of like pursuing career paths in this, mm-hmm. um, 
tooling up their knowledge and getting career expertise right now. Is this something that you guys are looking to kind of like help people with? I know you're also an educator, right, at the Toronto yeah. Film School. Is the school itself doing any of this or no? No, not yet. I've been pushing it. I've been pitching it for a while now in terms of, you know. But any, it's pretty forward thinking for the industry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that you need to start thinking about it because, I mean, as a camera operator, right, you're, you're, you're really just thinking creatively or as a DOP. You're mm-hmm. thinking as a cinematographer. You're thinking creatively. Now you got to learn about weather, navigation, you know, um, air currents, uh, aerodynamics. Yeah, there's a it's lot. like ground school. You you basically have to take like 50 to 60% of ground school for being a pilot mm-hmm. in order to be able to legally operate a drone. But it's all ground school. So it's all in theory. It's all learned. And it's like a dri- it's like driver's test, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a written test. Then you have to do your flight test which is basically your pre-flight procedures and then how you operate if you have the wherewithal to operate and then your post-flight procedures. So combining those two minds is sometimes a little far of a reach, Mm -hmm. but I think it's crucial for aspiring DOPs or camera operators to have that in their toolkit is the drone. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it would be invaluable just to teach like the ground school portion of it or give that as an option uh, to aspiring camera operators or um, uh, uh, DOPs because then they can think from that standpoint too and not just on the ground. So how is that? Are, are the commercial gigs that you guys are doing for uh, television and if film, mm-hmm. um, how do those come to be? Is it for the most part you're pitching the production on that type of footage or do they come looking for it? Usually, it's by referral. Okay. So, I mean, the industry is pretty, pretty small. Not small. Well, it's pretty It's tight. big, but it's like everyone knows yeah, each everyone other. Everyone knows each other. Yeah. Like, reputa- I always t- tell this to my students. Your reputation is your equity, right? You're only defined by the work that you that you can do, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then your, your reputation. So, your work has to speak for itself. And then it's, do people want to work with you? Right. Because it's not about working on one. It's working on many. Yeah. Right? And those those um, opportunities don't present themselves unless you have relationships in the industry to be able to present themselves to you, those opportunities. Right? So that's why you really have to take a big stock in terms of who you are, what you do, and also who you work with. Like these you, are, yeah, you're defined by the company you keep. And these are great tips to end on, I think, for this first conversation about uh, drones and, and kind of like being uh, commercially engaged in uh, being a pilot mm-hmm. and offering, uh, you know, the, the footage. Um, it's not just about having fun flying your drone. It's about kind of like, can you make a business out of it by creating compelling content that someone can use for something? So top tips are, uh, it sounds like... Um, networking commercial networking or professional networking to fit yourself into the film industry or the media industry Mm -hmm. um don't rely only on yourself build a team yeah if if yeah i mean if you're able to like that's i think that's the big thing yeah and then what do you would what would you say about uh any other recommendations for people looking to get into this stuff commercially career path wise crafting that career path in you know being a drone pilot any other tips to do with uh, how to look out for new technology or rely on technology that you know well? Anything to do with that side of things? Yeah, I mean, the the, the drone industry, there's so many opportunities that are going to present start presenting themselves. Uh, right now, it's like a visual line of sight. and We call it VLOS, right? Mm-hmm. And that means is that when you're operating drone, you have to keep it within a visual line of sight. You have to be able to see it with the naked eye. Then there's going to be beyond visual line of sight. That's where you start getting packages delivered by Amazon via drone, right? That is a thing. The that, data drives the... Yeah, it's going to be how to... How, so, and that's coming for us too. Like that's something that we have to forecast for and that we have to start planning for too because now as a drone operator, I don't need to be... You don't need me per se because then it's just about getting the shot, mm-hmm. right? The creative is, is, is the thing that you can't teach or that can't be replicated by the, the AI, right? But you can program it to go from here to there so that now you position to get that creative. So it goes back to, okay, 
focus on the creative, right? That's why so many people are starting to go into the creative industries, I feel. So if you're wanting to get into this industry, I would say that you have to creatively problem solve. You have to problem solve, but you have to be able to creatively problem solve mm-hmm. in any situation and if you're going to get into this business. I think with anything, really, but in this particular, for sure. Because that it's evolving so quickly. Um, and it doesn't have to be flying like drones on the ground, like those Boston Boston Dynamic dogs. Right. Those those dogs that dance. Right. That's a robot. That's a, that's a thing. You know, like that's that's real. That's here. That's that's doing work, taking away jobs, but creating jobs. Um, in the water, same thing, right? Like remotely piloting everything is going to be a thing. Um, so it's there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of space for everyone to be in it and to be able to do it. Um, and that's why we're like, you know what? It's better for us to just specialize in what we do best. And that's the cinematic shot and being able to forward the narrative um, through drones. And then if anyone needs anything beyond, above and beyond that, then we can collaborate or to put them in the right direction with the right people, you know? Um, and the last thing I do want to impart with your lessons, the tips, pro tips, talent now is dimes a dozen. Dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Talent is not enough. Talent and hard work and relationships, that's like that's what's important. Because it's not enough to be talented. Like, there's lots of talented people. Like you said, look at TikTok. Mm-hmm. Millions of talented people, you know? But combination of being able to follow through, work hard, and the relationships that you have is what's going to get you success nowadays. Not just not just the talent and, oh, someone's going to discover me. So, yeah. Right. No, it's not like that no more. Yeah, you have to put your talent to work. Yeah. And you have yeah, to yeah. make it work time and time again. And you have to build relationships. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Awesome, man. It was a pleasure having you in the studio. Yeah, man. It was yeah. awesome to scratch the surface on yeah, some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking forward to actually digging into some of your projects with you to look at how oh, you guys fun. did stuff. Oh, there's some fun stuff there. Nice. We'll definitely do some follow-up content oh, together. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you a teaser. We got shot, but we were shot at by a bow and arrow with someone with a bow and arrow. What? In Toronto. What? In the city. Yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully for our audience, you'll be able to hear more about that either on this podcast or a new uh, podcast that we're about to launch in video format only coming up later in the year. With that, thanks for coming in. It was a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome.